Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, joining me today. I hope you've had a great weekend, and I'm just trying to still get ready here in studio. Rosie and I are just getting prepared for the big show, aren't we, Rosie? The very big show. The very big show. You have so much planned, Bill. I do. I got a lot going on today. I know, and I am sitting at the edge of my seat because you, <laughs> you gave me a tease before the show started, and you said I had to wait to hear it the rest of the story. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to share it or not, just because I have, have not been able to get through the story without bursting into tears. Hmm. So, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I might try it. I think you should. Tr- <laughs> I think you should try it because tears are okay. I know they're okay. I know. Tears are actually. I, good. I told the story once this morning. You cried, so maybe, maybe it's maybe it's easing a little bit. It's just one of those. See, this is what you do. One of those God moments. Okay. It's one of those amazing God moments. And I think those moments, oh, they multiply when you share them. They're just so inspirational for everybody. Well, don't. don't, You see, put the pressure on me, Rosie. I know. I'm kind of pushing. I'm putting down the gas pedal just a little bit. I have Patrick on the line too. I might dump you for Patrick. Okay, I think I'm turning off my mic right now. (laughs) Patrick, you're on. I don't want to get into an argument with Rosie. I'm going to pick up where she left off. How can you not tell this story now? <laughs> just talk about this amazing thing happened, and it has me in tears every time I tell it. But I'm not going to tell you, my my Thank faithful, you. loyal listeners, <laughs> who do Thank you for Thank siding you, with me, Patrick. Wait, you didn't I'm side with me? No. Yeah. So the nice thing is, is Amazon does have some same day delivery. So I've already clicked on the drop off the case of Kleenex now. <laughs> so if there's a ring at the doorbell there. Yeah. Yeah. Doorbell in the studio? I don't think there is. I don't know. There's just uh, nothing more powerful than following Jesus and finding the various ways in which he kind of taps you on the shoulder um, and lets you know that not only is he a living God, but he cares about you and cares about yeah. every hair on your head. And it's just a great reminder. It happened over the weekend. So yeah, I'm just trying I, to get the it, courage up to share it, Patrick. So don't put pressure yeah, on me. I won't put pressure on you. Right. I, I don't know. And that was less of a tap on the shoulder. Okay. It was more of a <laughs> kick in the back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so let me do a little warm-up question. Yeah. Did you yeah. hear this? And maybe this is a generational thing, and I'd like to ask our listeners is this a generational thing where you were told as a kid when there was a little mischievous that went on in the house that wait until your dad gets home? Yes. Okay. That happened to you, huh? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, nah, okay. So uh, I'll, I'll do a slight end around on it. I was not much of a problematic kid. Uh, much too... The uh, chagrin, if if I'm using that word correctly, I don't know. You're probably not. But uh, my wife, when we were just dating, when when she met my mother, and she had said, "Well, give me some of the some of the lowdown, some of the some of the bad stuff, some of the things he did," and and my mom said, "Yeah, really, not much." <laughs> she <laughs> and said, she no, was no, speaking real. the truth. She was speaking the truth. Yeah. Every kid, she's like, "Yeah, not him, not this one." So uh, now, of course, we see that my son, who is apparently my clone, 
in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> mm-hmm. My wife, she, she says, I don't understand it. He, he creates no grief. I said, well, now you know me. <laughs> yeah. So having said that, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. right, that's where the truth comes. Right? Having said that, it didn't mean that I occasionally didn't do the, the, the incorrect thing. You know, I mean, in, in kindergarten, I, I stole some money from my brother to buy some candy at the local. Because even in kindergarten, you could, you know, with family, I could walk over to the local Monaco and, you know, buy a Snickers bar. And uh, I got caught. Uh, and, uh, I did wait till my dad got home (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. because, you know, I wasn't going to admit to it, but, uh, you know, dad said, well, where, where did you get that money? Uh, he was at least diplomatic about it. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, Mrs. Miller, my kindergarten teacher, she gave it to me. Now see how clever I was at six, seven years old. You're you're dragging somebody else into your lie. This is not good. I did. Oh, it was, you know, this is, it's amazing. And I see it sometimes played out with my kids. I thought, boy, I thought I was so clever. Saying <laughs> stuff like, this, will end the, this, this should put an end to the questioning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nay, nay. <laughs> really? That was awful nice of Mrs. Miller to give you some money. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, for, <laughs> for cleaning the blackboard, of course. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> get with the program. Yeah. I was cleaning the blackboard. So, uh, you said that, that is, uh, that's the kind of thing normally kids just do as a chore. And I said, for to give you some money to buy some candy, I'm going to call Mrs. Miller. I just want you to know, you know, I want, I just want the truth. And if you tell the truth, nothing will happen. Yeah. So was and wait till your dad. I, I eventually messed up and, and, and nothing happened. Still. Waiting. Okay. Yeah. Was wait till your dad comes home, uh, a way to do a little bit of, uh, husband-wife discussion about what should happen, or was it, I'm going to let your dad deal with this because this is his area that m- might be more effective? What do you think? Uh, I think, it. you know, first, I think the sense of impending doom was quite effective <laughs> in, fixing, <laughs> yeah. in, in fixing behavior. And it wasn't that dad was much more harsh, but I, I do think it was... Not sort of getting on the same page, you know, give me a chance to chat. It wasn't like my mother would say, let's, I'm going to talk to your father first. It was, you know, the hammer's coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You better hope he has to work late tonight. (laughs) So, uh, but I do think, you know, now with kids, there are times it's like, I do want to discuss this with Janet just, uh, because I, it's not that I, I think we're on the same page. But where do we think the appropriate level, like, and I don't even like to use the word punishment. It's like, what should be, what's the proper level of response? That's the, yes, the consequence, what's the proper response? And um, I also think, and I don't know if my parents were thinking this way. I know for us, we, we really try not to do things when you're in that emotional state, we are upset about something. Because the decisions you often make when you say, well, I'm really mad right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, tend to be harsher, you know, if you had a little bit of time to calm down, you, uh, you might say, you know, okay, you know, I don't think this requires a six month grounding, you know, I, <laughs> I think taking uh-huh. away your TV privileges for a day or two ought to do it. Uh, so that might've been it, but, um, I, I, I do know this, uh, did you ever get sent to your room to think about something? 
Um, I don't remember getting sent to my room to think about something. Yeah. That probably, is no longer a punish, punishment. I was probably up there anyway thinking about stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm just thinking. I'm just here thinking. Uh, yeah, these days, I, you know, the kids are like, please send me to my room. That's where my all my stuff is. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I do think, I know my parents wanted you to think about something mm-hmm. because it was, I want you to think about what you've done. And then there was that question, right? Okay, so you explain to me what happened. Oh boy, you know that's was when dad dad got home. Tell me what happened, and make it honest. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, do, do people still do that? You know, I don't know. Is, I don't know. I that, think our generation. We heard that in our generation. If any listener wants to chime in and say, "Did it happen with you? Did you get that? Wait till your dad gets home." Line, uh, and then. Uh, how was it dealing with uh, dad? I'm just curious. Um, yeah. I, I have seen some, you hear some stories of, of people that are, wh- who appear to be very undisciplined. And I, I think, where's dad in all this? Right? Right. Uh, well, if, and you certainly didn't want mom or dad um, coming to school. Certainly not to come pick you up early. Mm. Because the principal said, I think it's time for you to leave. <laughs> you know, I had um, nuns for teachers. I went to a Catholic uh, grade school. So it was mostly nuns and uh, they're tough, uh, you know, and then you, it's, there's a different level with a nun. When they ask you a question, you, you say, I, I can't lie to a nun. That's <laughs> right. Cause that's, that's bad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a nun. But uh, for a number of years, we had a nun for a principal. And I thought, well, could it get any worse than this? <laughs> uh, she was actually quite lovely. Yeah. But, uh, I remember yeah. turning around and talking to the kid behind me in class. And uh, Sister Mary Grace, because I had nuns too, would always yeah. say, uh, Bill, turn around. Nobody wants to look at your face. I thought, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Except the teacher, apparently. <laughs> Wow. Well, that was just a way, was of, a little, that was a way of saying, pay attention. Stop talking. Pay attention. That's good. Yeah. And we had Sister Marie Ann. She could be p- pretty tough. Yeah. She she took no guff. I don't know if you if there's guff anymore. I don't know if they... Uh, what was they her name? Sister Mary what? Sister Maria Ann. Oh, Sister Maria Ann. Takes so no I was guff. the... Yeah, took, took no guff. I was the sixth Albanese child to get her. Okay. She was in fifth grade. And boy, oh boy, it was, you know, the same old thing every time I entered any grade. Are you a good Albanese or a bad Albanese? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, my, my older brothers and sisters, you know, some were just, you know. Fair question. These, they were great kids and they were great students. And some of the other ones were a little bit rough around the edges. Yeah, fair question. So I don't know why they would ask. It's like, you think I'm going to tell you the truth on this one? I don't know if I'm a good one or a bad one, but yeah. I think that was their way of saying you better be a good one. Yeah. yeah. And trust me, the the bad ones, they warned me about her and I only incurred her wrath once. I won't go into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you not tell that story and we'll take a break. We'll come back. Patrick Albanese is my, my friend and guest and confidant uh, from the great state of Iowa. He also lives in the prestigious uh, town of West Des Moines. And when it comes to uh, a merry heart, uh, nobody does it quite like Patrick. We'll be right back. 
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Just uh, uh, jotting a note down here, best job ever. Okay. Yeah, that, I was just making a note to myself. Oh, this is this a note uh, about your current situation? Yes. Yeah, it is a great job, isn't it? It is a great job. So yeah. uh, Patrick Albanese is my guest, and Patrick helps me get the week started. And a merry heart is like good medicine, and I, I promise uh, we all need lots more of that. So thank you for uh, being so faithful and coming on the show. Oh, I, you know how much I, I – uh, because we ponder some of the important questions, too. Uh, we, we do. Yeah, you know, like, for instance, um, something I was thinking about, and this is something the listeners – Prince Charming – uh, had to try a shoe on all the women in the town because for some reason the woman he fell in love with meeting the night before he could not remember what she looked like. <laughs> that makes you kind of scratch your head. You think, you know, and we went to his dad and he said, "I got to go find this woman." He's like, "Fantastic! How are you going to do it?" Well, I've got her shoe. <laughs> I'll just go try it on everybody. Yeah. Why don't you just like knock on the door and go, "Oh, there she is." <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that'll work. Yeah. Well, we're asked <laughs> to stretch our imaginations often, aren't we? A wee tad, so a, to a, speak. A wee, a wee tad, yeah. As my Scottish friend Leslie would say, a wee tad. Yeah, I like that expression. Yes. Yeah, I've always liked it too. All right, I'm doing my very best to avoid my little story, but I think I should just get into it. Because it's a, it's a nice, lovely God moment. And I, I know this has probably happened to you, Patrick, but you wake up and you get an email from somebody or a text and you realize it wasn't meant for you. Yes. Okay. Now, yes. I didn't know that though, because there was nothing. <laughs> they usually start with, you may already be a winner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or, yeah. or a current resident, you know, then you go, yes. well, I think this is a generic one, but it, yeah. it started off without a, uh, it wasn't, wasn't really addressed to me and it wasn't signed by anybody, but it was, it came from someone I know. And it was no. this beautiful, uh, quick article story on his son, uh, who happens to be in a wheelchair and he plays wheelchair tennis and he ended up, uh, doing very well in a tournament. And it turns out he's going to be getting a, a scholarship to play wheelchair tennis, uh, at a university. Wow. So it's a very cool deal. And uh, his name is Isaac, and yeah. I I sent him a message back, and I said, "Oh my, this is a fantastic story. What do you what do you want me to do with it? Do you do you want me to interview him? Oh, uh, this is really cool." And he said, "No, I meant to send it to his uncle Bill, and I sent it instead to my buddy Bill." And I said to him, "Oh, that ship has sailed. I'm not, nah, I, <laughs> I'm yeah. not letting you off the hook. Well, I want to talk to him." And yeah. It's this. I mean, it, it, you and you open. I mean, obviously, you thought, well, you, he must have sent it to me for a reason. So you're already in that mindset, yeah. Right. So I'm already thinking, oh, are you are you tipping your hat that I should interview your beautiful son and just this smiling, beaming face? And there he is, sitting in his, his little wheelchair, 
and it's not a wheelchair he'll ever ever get out of. And but he's a tennis champ. But he's he's, a, he's like a he's he's yeah. a he's a tennis guy, and yeah, he is smiling ear to ear. So I had. And this, by the way, people should know you used to be a tennis guy. Well, I don't know if you they love know that. tennis. I don't know if they know that, but it doesn't matter. <clears throat> yeah. So, but anyway, that's that does. I suppose it does connect the story because I yeah. spent a lot of time on a tennis court. All right. Yeah. So my heart's really, really soft and I'm praying for him and his dad as I'm going to church yesterday. And I thought, I just feel more uh, sensitive towards anyone in that situation. situations. Yeah. 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 So I'm sitting and I glance to my right um, and there is a gentleman in a wheelchair at the end of the aisle and his wife is sitting next to him. He's probably in his 60s. And I thought, how lovely. There they are, this couple together. So then afterwards, I go up um, and talk to the pastor. And as I'm waiting to get his attention, I look once again to my right. And here is another young boy who appears to be about the same age who is sitting in the exact chair. Of the email you got. Of the email. And I go, oh, this is... uh, this is the second person in four hours. Strange and, coincidence. But, yeah, about but, the same age. Yeah. But right mm-hmm. now, my heart is very different because of what I just went through seeing uh, a picture of Isaac. And I said, uh, I just, I thought to myself, I have to go talk to him. I, I just have to go connect with this young guy. And he's got a couple people around him and here's his mother yeah. was there. And I just I, I kind of worked my way over there and I said, hey, has anyone told you you have like the best hair ever? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, if I had that head of hair, I would have a three-picture deal with Paramount Plus. Yeah. And yeah. I said, do you, do, you, do, you, do you just wake up every day and look in the mirror and go, once again, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is... Yeah, this is the kind of conversations many people have. <laughs> so that had to catch his attention. He's like, well, very few people walk up to me and comment on my hair. But yeah. now that you mention it, yeah. it is spectacular. He, okay. And he did. And, okay. and of course, the it's a playful introduction. I, I So I start to chat with him. And yeah. then I ask him about what he's doing. And he's a student. And he's I said, what are you pursuing? What are you interested in? And so we just had this lovely conversation and my heart went from uh, probably not thinking to go introduce myself to him to, I have to go meet him. And it yeah. was because of the picture of Isaac I saw at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. So that wasn't even intended for you. Wasn't even intended for me. But So now you're, you, you just kind of always call these, these pebbles on your path. Your path is going a certain way and there's a pebble that makes you just veer off the slightest amount. And the next thing you know, you say, how did I get here? Exactly. So here you are in a whole new situation. Exactly. So you've connected with somebody you've never seen before. And you normally would, you would say, well, why would I just go talk to somebody? Exactly. Because of the connection. Exactly. Yeah. Why would I just, why would I be so drawn to want to go talk to this young man? And yeah. I know why. Because I, my heart had just gushed open when I saw a picture of my friend's son in his chair, victorious over playing wheelchair tennis. Yeah. So I had this really fun animated conversation with him. And yeah. I said to him, it, it was so nice talking to you. I said, and tell me, 
what is your name? And he said, okay. it's Isaac. Where's the Kleenex? <laughs> two Isaacs. Two Isaacs. Two young about men. About the same age. Yep. Yep. Isaac two is a little bit older, a couple years older than Isaac one, but met two Isaacs in four hours that both are in a wheelchair for life. And, but I think, I think more importantly, what it sounds like is both of them, their, their situation certainly hasn't held them back from living life to its fullest. Not at all. And so, you know, a lot of times we can look at people in a, in, in an unfortunate circumstance. I don't think any of us really would want to be in, in, confined to a chair, but, uh, and we don't know how we would deal with it. And then when you meet people that have overcome it with this beautiful gratitude, but for you to meet is, uh, you're, we lost you, Patrick, unfortunately. You just tuned out a little bit. And there you go. So uh, anyway, I, I don't think we're going to try to get him back, Rosie, but um, it is a pretty uh, remarkable coincidence, a little God wink. God has uh, pointed out to be aware of my situation and to be, um, just, to, just to be present and to say, I might not have normally struck up a conversation, but I couldn't not. And it ended up just being this wonderful exchange. And when I said goodbye to him and turned around, I had tears filling my eyes. And that's, that's when I realized how grateful I am and mm. how I don't want to ever, I don't want to feel sorry for people because I have a tendency of wanting to feel sorry for people and they don't want to, they don't want anyone feeling sorry for them. And, but the beauty of it too, Bill, is how gracious God is to give us those God winks to turn when we pray, we don't know that his parents weren't praying for an intersection for somebody to just come up and talk to him. Yeah, right? That right. We don't know what prayers were being prayed beforehand. Yeah, that you would have that intersection, you know. And sometimes I think we talk about evangelizing, and that's of course what we must do. But we also need to be kind and notice and be loving towards each other. Yeah, yeah, that's. It was a, a great a great little experience, and I, I was thanking God all day, and I was thanking God that he reminded me of being present and mm. never being reluctant to reach out and talk to anybody, because everybody is looking for connection. Everyone is uh, open to having um, the love of God be shown to them, and that's, I think, what we get to do as ambassadors of Christ, to just go out and be salt and light in a broken world, so... Anyway, I think I made it through that story. You did. Oh. And I got teary in my right eye as what? I was watching. Just your right. Yeah, it's, it's my Holy Spirit eye. I get a little tear every now that. and then. See, I'm learning something new every day. I know. I did I not know you had a Holy Spirit down, eye. And it was beautiful. I love that. I'm glad you shared. All right. We'll take a break and we come back more rosy because we're going to do the Monday afternoon mix. And Pastor David Miles is in the green room. We'll be right back.
You might recognize that jazz. It's very jazzy. It is. What time? What time is it? It's Monday. Afternoon. Mix. Mix. Wake up. Mix. It is. Mix, mix, Mondays mix. are great days. They're great days. They're you know, I love great Mondays. Days. I love Mondays too. I do too. Yep. Okay. And yep. I, you know, I remember Garfield the cat. He didn't like Mondays, uh. you know, but that's an opportunity to pray for him. And, you know, and Mondays, every day with Jesus. You know, remember that old that song, Every Day with Jesus? I think you Sweeter should sing than it. Before? I think you should sing oh, it. Oh, I don't know. I'm mean, like, <laughs> I don't know the Making words. a joyful I have, noise. I have to put that in your permanent file. David Miles <laughs> asked us to pray for Garfield the cat. Now just, I mean, those are the kind of notes you take. As, right, as in a show case, host. right, it's true. Yeah. It, in, well, in case on a one-on-one later, we have, you know. What about, like, the Garfield-mindedness? You okay, know, that's that just different. just kind of says, like, oh, sarcastic. you know, it's Monday, and it's like. Oh. Yeah, you no, I, I, I've always loved Mondays. I do, too. Monday yep. is cool. I think Tuesday's a harder day. You think so? I do. I mean, if you have to choose one, I think Tuesday's a harder day. Hmm. You're in the thick of things. Yeah. What day of the week were you born on, David Miles? I was born on a Thursday. What about you, Rosie? No idea. Oh, I'll do I'll do research. I can okay. figure it out. Okay. I've got a little calculator okay. on my app. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was born at 3.09 p.m. Yeah. On Thursday, February 4th. Yeah. And my son was born at 3.10 p.m. on February 21st. Wow. Ooh. So... Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's jump into Psalm 91. You got a great story to tell to get us started. Well, yeah. I mean, like it's it's really kind of a wild thing. Um, <clears throat> at the uh, at in the Second World War, uh, there the great um, Britain's Prime Minister and uh, Minister of um, Defense, they noted that there was three messages that they had put out because you know the war was going on and there was just this uncertainty. Bombing could happen at any time, and uh, you know they were thinking of ways to kind of help the British public um, deal with the reality of being war and the uncertainties of it. You know, this is back during a time where there were no interceptor, you know, missiles and things like that. And there were three messages that they did, and the favorite one actually was said was never used. And it surfaced 70 years later, and it said this. The message to send out was, keep calm and carry on. Mm. Keep calm and carry on. Which is really interesting to think that the people who had access to information, access to what was really going on, the powers that be, had wanted that to be a message to be sent to the British people uh, um, in a time of war. And, you know... Um, you might not feel like you're in a time of war at this time, but like what was happening during that time was a time of uncertainty. There was mm. an uncertainty of what was going to happen next. And, you know, we all have those things that happen in a day where you're going along and, you know, you get a message or you find something out or, you know, you hear something on the news or, you know, various things like that that just kind of pop up into your life that can easily um, throw you on a tailspin like the ice that's in the uh, Twin Cities and other parts of our listening family today, mm-hmm. you know? And so super helpful for that um, is to go to something that's foundational, that isn't shaking or doesn't shake, um, and that's the Word of God. And so Psalm 91 um, was actually a verse that I shared this past week um, with our staff at New Hope Church. Actually, in my final staff, a devotional with our staff at New Hope Church. And so, uh, and one of the big things about Psalm 91, and I'll share a little bit more about that later, uh, but a big thing about Psalm 91 is that it truly is the manifesto of trust in a sovereign God. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it really is um, trust in the sovereign God. And I guess like, you know, we have various experiences and conversations that we, we've had with people over the last week. So guys, what, what would be some things that you guys have heard where people um, <laughs> maybe like as they're listening would need to be trusting in God with? Well, I think the the one that came to my mind right away was the economy and people's finances for going into retirement and will they have enough and Gen Z's wondering if they'll ever be able to afford a house. So finances, which I think God knows because he always says you can't have two gods, right? Um, but at the same time, he has so much compassion that he knows that people worry about that. Mm, yeah. I hear lots of prayer requests for physical healings. Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. That comes up all the time. Yeah. And, you know. It requires patience. Yeah. And just um, a trust in God because, you know, the body is this amazingly complex thing. And, you know, living in a beautiful and yet fallen world that still has, you know, various um, ramifications of sin with, you know, cancer. And I mean, like, Rosie, you know about that. My mm-hmm. my sister had went home from the Lord from adrenal cancer in 2005, you know, and then just different things. So, yeah, like all of these things call for trust. And, you know, people turn on the news and there's things that say, I need to trust you. And, and being, you know, an adjunct professor here at the wonderful University of Northwestern St. Paul, got lots of students who pray when they're like, I have a test coming. <laughs> Down to the simple. Yeah. Can you pray for me? So, yeah. I mean, so there are a whole bunch of things um, that there's a need to trust God with. And, you know, and if, and, you know, like the old folks say, if, if you don't have something to trust God for, keep living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, keep living mm-hmm. uh, so when we talked about Psalm 91 when you said we were going to talk about that this is one of my favorite psalms for stations of my life for se- seasons of my life when this was the psalm that brought me to that foundation because I think what it, it not only brings you trust in the character of God and what he has said he would do for you but it also opens windows to the sovereignty of God, and that if your prayer is not answered the way you're expecting, his sovereignty will continue and protect you in ways that you don't know. And so I'm going to suggest that we read Psalm 91, excuse me, and there are 16 verses, and there's three of us. Let me do the math here. Divided by three... What? I'm not that fast when it comes to math. I'm no Patrick. He's got a calculator brain. I'm not either. So, Jaden's quick. He'll be like, can, can you all be quiet for a minute so I can get okay. this done? All right. Five. Point. 5.3 verses apiece. Perfect. So, David, you take six, and then Rosie and I will take over after that. Alrighty. Rosie, do you want to start with one? Because you said that's your favorite verse. All right, you go ahead then. You read the first six, then David and I will take over after that. This is Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the followers' snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by the day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, 
but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, that they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, the really cool thing about even, Bill, you um, encouraging us to read that is that not only is this uh, a manifesto of God being sovereignly in control, one of the things that happens in this passage is there. there's a time for us to declare that God is real and that God is true. And if you notice verse 1, it motivates the faith of verse 2. You know, the, the, the psalmist says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So like literally as he, he talks about who God is, it motivates um, his faith to speak of it. You know, and there's this beautiful thing that happens like at the end of Malachi in chapter 3, and it notes how there were people who were complaining about the circumstances that were going on around them. And then it makes this like really neat statement here in chapter 3, verse um, 16, and it basically says this, and this is this is definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting reminder. You know, verse 15 of Malachi says, you know, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evil doers not only prosper, but they can put God to the test and escape. Verse 16 says, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. And so, like, there's this importance even as we go through trials. There's this importance as we go through difficulties of this part of declaring what's true and real about God. And when we do that, it motivates our faith as it did the psalmist when he says, hey, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow. You know, wait a minute. I'm going to say that the Lord is my refuge, that he's my strength. And so so sometimes here's this little, little sweet thing that we sometimes miss, that sometimes your trial and difficulty is actually the key to unlock the blessing of seeing how real and true God truly is. Amen. Say that one more time, David Miles. But sometimes the trials and difficulties that we're going through, that that is actually the key that unlocks the door of seeing how true and real God truly is. That without that trial, without that difficulty, without that thing, you wouldn't have the, you wouldn't take that key to unlock the door to say, God, wait a minute, you are like. If you're not needing a refuge, how do you stop and declare that He is a refuge. Mm -hmm. 
If you don't need a fortress, why are you going to say he is my fortress? If you don't need a shield, why would you be saying he's my shield? Mm-hmm. You know, that is actually these things that you're going through. And like, here's the thing. The enemy wants to keep our eyes so focused on the difficulty and miss the greatness of our God. That we focus on the problem instead of the greatness of the God who says, lo, I'm with you until the end of the age, until the very end of the age. So this is what's so sweet about this, um, this passage, because that, that when it says, you know, the, sh- the shelter of the Most High and the shadow of the Almighty, um, that word El Elyon of the Most High, that means the Most High God, okay? Mm-hmm. Now notice, it's Most High, not kind of high, but most high. So, so y'all know that um, I'm a native of North Dakota, chocolate Norwegian. My folks moved, were, were transferred from Germany to Grand Forks Air Force Base. You were a chocolate German at one point. I was, I was a chocolate German in the womb. Okay. So, <laughs> so you were a German chocolate I was in the a, womb. I was a German chocolate. My kids are German chocolate, but I was in, I was in the womb. I, yeah, I didn't get all that cool stuff. I recently met somebody who, like, was one of those kids who grew up military, and they're like, oh, man, like, we lived in Europe, and we lived in Japan and Guam, and mm-hmm. they're like, man, I got to do I'm like, we lived in Hawaii, and they're like, what about you, Dave? North Dakota. <laughs> now, that's no diss to North Dakota. No, no, I, mean, I love like, We North, love North Dakota. North Dakota's great, you know. Better than Hawaii. Oh, that was <laughs> that was weirdly silent. It, it, it is. It Even is. the people in North Dakota are saying, "Come on, Bill." It is, oh, it is a beautiful it state, is. though. Yes, I actually big, love it. Big shout out to the folks up yeah. in North Dakota. So, like in North Dakota, is Grand Forks Air Force Base, and why not? Why not? For reasons of reason, why not Air Force Base? And being a military kid, you know, Strategic Air Command. My dad was in that. There's this plane that was called the SR-71 Blackbird. It had like the the speed records for planes, and they called these pilots the Untouchables because an SR seventy one Blackbird could fly at heights greater than any rocket, enemy rocket could get to it. Now, before moving back to the Twin Cities, we lived in outside of Dayton, Minnesota, Dayton, um, Dayton, Ohio, in a town called Xenia. But at Dayton is Wright Patterson Air Force Base, but more sweet and juicy is United States Museum of Military Aircraft. Ooh. And oh, yes, they had an SR-71. And my kids kind of were like, um, they were concerned for dad because we walked into the fourth hangar and I banked the corner and there was this beautiful, technologically juicy, incredible piece of machinery called the SR-71 Blackboard in front of me. And like, guys, literally when I walked in, I was like, and I just stood there. There it is. And like, Jaden actually said to Tammy, said, Mommy, is Daddy okay? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Your father's having a moment. And I was having a moment. And I like walked over and I have to tell the truth and shame the devil because it does say, Do not touch the airplane. But when I was underneath that wing, yeah, my hand went what? I was just like, <laughs> I was like, oh. But as high as the SR seventy one flies, God's the most high God. Mm-hmm. As fly as high as the International Space Station is above, God is most high above that. As far as the pictures of the Webb Telescope took of the galaxy mm-hmm. the year, last year that were so beautiful, God is most high above 
that, that God is the most high and almighty God. And because he is, we can sovereignly trust in him. All right. We're going to take a little break. You are listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Rosie B. and Pastor David Miles. I'm going to make a couple of notes during the break regarding David. He wants to pray for Garfield, and he's also a flagrant lawbreaker. All right, we'll be right back. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We love to gather as friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ and celebrate God's beautiful word that gives us such strength and hope. And we're looking at Psalm 91 today, and it is filled with strength and hope. David, you got some great observations that you mentioned during the break, and I'm practically insisting you share them with everyone. <laughs> You're not you're not saying about sharing about you saying I was a lawbreaker. And <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> because no, that you know, was playful. It's, it's okay because the Bible says that Jesus hung out with you know tax collectors and sinners. So Bill, you, you know, you get to hang out with a yeah, but a he cat. didn't. He didn't condone their behavior. <laughs> he didn't. No. <laughs> so one of the things that's fascinating about Psalm 91 is this very simple, beautiful thing, and and the importance again of just the beauty of language, because like the passage, I have a note in my Bible that says, "Note the future protection." of the most high God, because it says he dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide future tense in the shadow of the mighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will cover you with his pinion. Verse five, you will not fear the terror of night. Um, you know, and so like the, the neat part is that, the, 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 it's just future protection. And here's the thing that's important. Though God is sovereign and all these things, God's keeping it real and not saying like, listen, everything's going to be peachy keen and you're not going to have any issues. Okay. Cause he's saying, listen, there is actual seemingly terror at night. There are arrows that fly at day. And he says, but listen, though this reality is, because right now, Bill, there are some saying, well, if God is so good, why do I actually have any problems and issues to begin with? Okay. And so he says, yeah, you're going to have issues in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trial. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And he says, a thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And I want, I want something to be really interestingly noted. Cause sometimes we're like, you know, why are difficulties like happening? Like, you know, isn't these things, if you notice in verse 11, it says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. If you're wondering where that sounds familiar, Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is being tempted. I just looked that up because I have learned Psalm 91 as a prayer of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. This is a, a a declaration, a decree of who God is in my life, in everybody's life that knows him as Savior. Yeah. And one of the wild things about this is 
you know, that inclination to say like, well, wait a minute, like difficulty is coming my way. Wait a minute. The eternal second person of the Trinity who knew no sin and put on flesh, moved into the neighborhood and early in his ministry experiences temptation of which this verse is used in Mark chapter four and Luke 11, Luke chapter four as well. So like if anyone should be getting like a pass on having to deal with difficulties and trials, I think the son of God would have been the one. Couldn't agree more. But he actually ends up going through this very thing that you end up seeing these verses apply. And so like, God is there for his son, and how much more is he there uh, for us as well? You know, an important thing about this passage that you see these words like he's the most high, he's almighty, he's, uh, he's a refuge, he's a fortress, he's a deliverer, um, he's faithful, he's a shield and a buckler. And you have all of these various words that are used to describe God. And so like recently as Tammy and I, um, we're praying and just sensing the Lord with our church, New Hope Church. You know, we had some reduction uh, with a staff with, um, you know, finances needed to do a budget adjustment. But even before that, the Lord is laying on our heart, not candidating any place, anything like that, but saying like it was time and, and a desire to protect our my my life group staff, but even our entire team to have less of people stepping back. And I mean, like, look, part of the reality of this is that not by my admission, but the admission of those who have kind of moved on, a lot of people, you know, people were saying like, you know, we don't want to do all peoples. We don't want to talk about all peoples. We want to go to churches where people look like us, talk like us, think like us, all those things. So a more truncated view of discipleship when mm. we're all others and all of us are Gentiles and God folded us in, but that was that was your choice. And so the numbers came down to a manner that even though our people were giving ridiculously and our church had no debt, this needed to be an adjustment. And so my wife and I prayed, and we were just like, God was saying, you know what, it's time. And so I went to my senior pastor and then to my elder board and told our team, like, look, the Lord is saying it's time. And even if you get a massive windfall of money to come in, and if someone wants to give, totally cool. But we're still sensing that God is saying it's time, even with nothing in front of us. And you know what? We're at peace about it. Mm. We're at peace about it. But how can we be at peace about it? Well, because God will um, be a refuge and a fortress and a deliverer and a provider. And I don't need to fear. And that I get to actually walk this out, that God again is saying, David and Tammy, there's this passage that God likes to talk to us about called Matthew 14, when Peter's in a boat and Jesus says, get out of the boat, experience fisherman who's been on this lake his entire life and come walk and follow me. But we can walk and follow God into the unknown because of this great manifesto that calls us to trust in a truly sovereign God. And at the end, if we really feel like, man, you know what? I feel like I'm going to lose it all. Like I'm afraid I might even lose my life. The psalmist says that God is saying in verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and how the psalm ends and show him my salvation. The reality is that there is nothing. What's Romans 8 say? That nothing, height nor death, Angels nor demon, death, sword, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And so we can trust in this great manifesto because what? So someone takes your life and you go from the dot to the eternity, the line of being with Jesus and seeing him for he truly, for who he truly is and not having to say like, oh, he will deliver me, but being in an eternal state of being delivered. Mm, that's it. Right there. Of being there. Like, as much excitement as there is about Asbury and revivals. And I'm super excited about him. And I really pray that God does a really deep work because in the history of our nation, the first, second, the third, a little less known than the fourth, those various great awakenings happened where people who look like me were not considered fully human and were actually enslaved. But to be in a place where that reality comes to bear all the more, and we're praying for God's massive expansion of his gospel and glory from Asbury to the ends of the earth. So we have a salvation that is secure, and this is a manifesto. So if you're having a hard day today and you're driving, go home and soak in this passage. Whoa. Nice job, David Miles. You came in to do business. God's word is awesome. It's the best. It is. It is, yeah. it is the business. It is the business. It's, it's the business. And this is just one chapter. This is one cha- Like, guys, like Beautiful. how much we miss out by not literally devouring the most juicy, wonderful thing in the world Amen. that you can read. All right. We're back with Dr. Andy Scuddinga. We're going to, I got a whole list of questions for Andy. He's a psychology professor and you're not going to want to miss. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.